Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by The Book Guide. You role as the scaffolding of everyday life. Not that I was aware of any of this. Not that I was paying any attention at all. I didn't even have apps on my phone. I had just turned 25 and was living on the edge of Brooklyn with a roommate I hardly knew in an apartment filled with so much secondhand furniture it almost had a connection to history. I had a fragile but agreeable life, a job as an assistant at a small literary agency in Manhattan, a smattering of beloved friends on whom I exercised my social anxiety primarily by avoiding them. But the corners seemed to be coming up. The wheels were coming off. I thought every day about applying to graduate school. My job was running its course. There was no room to grow, and after three years, the voyeuristic thrill of answering someone else's phone had worn thin. I no longer wanted to amuse myself with submissions from the slush pile or continue filing author contracts and royalty statements in places where they did not belong, like my desk drawer. My freelance work proofreading and copy-editing manuscripts for a small press was also waning in volume because I had recently broken up with the editor who assigned it to me. The relationship had been stressful, but reliably consuming. The editor, several years my senior, had talked about marriage, but wouldn't stop cheating. These infidelities were revealed after he borrowed my laptop for a weekend and returned it without logging out of his account where I read a series of romantic and brooding private messages he exchanged with a voluptuous folk singer via the social network everyone hated. That year, I hated it extra. I was oblivious to Silicon Valley, and contentedly so. It's not that I was a Luddite. I could point and click before I could read. I just never opened the business section. Like anyone else with a desk job, I spent the majority of my waking hours peering into a computer, typing and tabbing through the days, the web browser current of digital digression running beneath my work. At home, I wasted time scrolling through the photos and errant musings of people I should have long since forgotten, and exchanged endless searching emails with friends in which we swapped inexpert professional and dating advice. I read the online archives of literary magazines that no longer existed, digitally window-shopped for clothing I could not afford, and created and abandoned private, aspirational blogs with names like A Meaningful Life, in the vain hope that they might push me closer to leading one. Still, it never occurred to me that I might someday become one of the people working behind the Internet because I had never considered that there were people behind the internet at all. In the manner of so many 20-somethings living in North Brooklyn at a time when an artisanal chocolate factory was considered a local landmark, and people spoke earnestly about urban homesteading, my life was effectively analog. I took photographs with an old medium-format camera that had belonged to my grandfather, then scanned those photographs into my dying laptop, its internal fan roaring, to upload to my blogs. I sat atop busted amplifiers and cold radiators and Bushwick practice spaces, paging through back issues of prestige magazines, watching various crushes suck on hand-rolled cigarettes and finger their drumsticks and slide guitars, listening attentively to their noodling and preparation for my feedback to be solicited, though it never was.
I went on dates with men who made chapbooks or live-edge wood furniture. One identified as an experimental baker. My to-do list always included archaic chores like buying a new needle for the record player I rarely used or a battery for the watch I never remembered to wear. I refused to own a microwave. Insofar as I considered the technology industry of any importance to my own life, it was only because of circulating concerns specific to my professional world. An online superstore that had gotten its start in the 90s by selling books on the World Wide Web, not because the founder had a love of literature, but because he had a love of consumers and consumptive efficiency, had expanded to become a digital bargain basement dealing in appliances, electronics, groceries, mass fashion, children's toys, cutlery, and various non-necessities manufactured in China. Having conquered the rest of retail, the online superstore had returned to its roots and seemed to be experimenting with various ways to destroy the publishing industry. It had even gone so far as to start its...